This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. So thrilled that you've joined me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What a great week it is. This is Thanksgiving week. We get a chance to pause and to thank God for his grace, his goodness in our lives. And hopefully you've made a list of things to be thankful for. Now, we know that we live in a culture that is kind of anti-gratitude. We live in a culture that really tries to suppress Uh, appreciation and doesn't encourage us to be thankful people. So one of the ways we get a chance to reflect the character of Christ to the world, the uh, indwelling presence of the Spirit in our lives, one of the ways that we can be boldly countercultural is to simply embrace a heart of thanksgiving. So throughout this week, I'm going to be encouraging you towards that. Now, we'll say this, that there are times when we are experiencing great grief and sorrow, what the uh, saints of old would call the dark night of the soul. That's why all month long we have been encouraging you uh, to support the program because a gift of any amount, we're going to be sending you out Dr. John Piper's wonderful book, When I Don't Desire God. We all know that we should desire God, and many of us, it's not a head knowledge thing. We know the doctrines of grace. We know the love of Jesus. We know the redemptive work of Christ in our lives, all that God has done for us. But yet there are times where we're struggling to have joy. And so if that's you or someone you love this week, Let me just encourage you, give us a call, 888-644-4144. Be as generous as you can, but we'd love to send you a copy of When I Don't Desire God. That's 888-644-4144. Go to our website, equipradio.org. Now, I don't know what your list is. I encourage you to make your gratitude list, but on that list, I pray that you will make beauty one of those priorities that you would thank God for the beauty you've encountered. And trust me, every day, beauty is all around you. Maybe it's in a sunset or a sunrise. Maybe it's in the lyric of a song or a line in a book. Maybe you have been touched by the beauty that you see in your spouse or your children. But beauty is all around us. And I believe one of the works of the enemy, our adversary, is to blind us to beauty. That's why I'm really excited about today's conversation. It's with Pastor Steve DeWitt. It's about his newest book, Enjoying God in Everything, A Guide to Maximizing Life's Pleasures, where he's going to talk to us about seeing the beauty of God all around us. Pastor Steve is the senior pastor at Bethel Church. Since 1997, he's been shepherding those good people there at Bethel. Bethel's a Non-denominational church located in Northwest Indiana and Chicago land. He ministers to its community across multiple campuses. Steve is also a member of the council 
of the Gospel Coalition. He's on the board also of Global Action, and his teaching ministry is heard through his popular podcast and media ministry, The Journey. He and his wife, Jennifer, have two just south of perfect children, and he joins me today. Hey, how are you, Steve? I am great, Chris. I agreed with everything except the just south part. They are perfect. The fall Mostly skipped over them, Mostly because they take after huh? their mother. Well, the they take fa- after their mother. So. Okay, there we go. There we go. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you joining me today, and I appreciate the book. Let's start because there's so many questions I have for you. Why write a book about beauty? Well, it comes out of my own journey in uh, discovering why I enjoyed the world around me so much and how it moved me in my heart. And as a pastor and a kind of a wannabe theologian, I began to explore what is this powerful emotion that I feel inside at the at the beautiful sunset, at the cup of coffee in the morning, at the, you know, uh, mountain range. And it just began me on a on an exploration uh, that culminated in in uh, writing this book and a discovery of God as the beauty behind all beauty and yeah. uh, the the wonderful thought that if I love this stuff so much and it's just what he made how much more could I enjoy him yeah, I, I love that, the beauty behind all beauty. One of the things I appreciate about your book in the introduction, you uh, bring up a financial term. Now, I'm trained as a financial advisor. I love economics. That was my field of study as an undergrad and later on my field of work before I went into the pastorate. And you bring up this concept of opportunity cost. And we often in investing talk about opportunity costs. What would be missed if you uh, invest in this or if you don't invest in this product? What's the opportunity cost? So what's the opportunity cost of us missing out on beauty? Well, I would say uh, for the unbeliever, it is tragic forever and ever. Um, Mm. Beauty is Beauty is a part of the world. We take it for granted. Um, There is no beauty in the wrath of God. There is no enjoyment uh, or pleasure. And so that cost is uh, eternally tragic. But the book is mostly written for Christians to understand that as, as followers of Jesus, we have this opportunity to turn all of the uh, pleasures of this world, the good pleasures, the things that God created and and enjoyed in his way, to turn these into uh, worship. So the theme of the book is that beauty leads to wonder, wonder leads to worship, and that when we do that, that it enriches the aesthetic experiences of the world around us. And that could be, you know, the music, that could be uh, the sight of, uh, you know, the face of our child. It could be any number of things that bring us pleasure. But as we experience them theologically and gospelly, that we turn them into worship of God. And in doing that, uh, the food tastes a little better and uh, the sunset's a little prettier. And, you know, these things are um, because that's how God made us to experience them. And the cost, the loss is the lack of that. And to, I think there's many Christians that 
experience these things almost atheistically, and mm. they they do not Romans one turn them uh, turn it back in Thanksgiving or to, to give God honor for the gift of the beautiful and the pleasurable. We're going to help you uh, today, friends, to see beauty, and it will revive your soul. It will lead you to wonder and lead you to worship. And that's why I think this conversation is so phenomenal and so important. And maybe you're like Steve, a connoisseur of all things beautiful, one who has uh, drank deeply from that well. Today, we'd love for you to join the conversation on our social media pages. Facebook and Twitter are available to you at Equipped Radio. That's Equipped Radio. Maybe one of the people who has spoken most um, clearly on this, poetically on this, is C.S. Lewis. And many people love C.S. Lewis. And his book, C.S. Lewis as Philosopher, in the book, rather, about him, C.S. Lewis as Philosopher, uh, it, it is said this, it's a quote from Lewis, and you reflected in your book as well. He says, the sweetest thing in all my life has been the longing to find the place where all the beauty came from. And I love that because that's mm. a, that, that, that leads us back to God. But if you were to talk to the ancient philosophers um, about God, no doubt they would define God as truth. Some would define God as goodness, but there's this kind of threefold uh, virtue, if you will, uh, celebration of virtues, if you will, of truth, beauty, and justice. I'm sorry, truth, beauty, and goodness. How do these work together? Well, they are all uh, descriptive of the character of God as best human language can do it. And here we are at the edge of a, uh, you know, an abyss, a mystery, to think about the, the beauty of God, that his beauty is, the best word I know is ineffable. It is, it is beyond our comprehending. And yet, the created order, the universe, the galaxies, the atoms, uh, you know, all these beautiful things, amazing symmetry, are all a reflection of what God is like. It is that way by design. God, again, Romans 1, that his divine nature is clearly seen in the things that are made. So God desired this creation to to tell us what he is like without being him. That would be pantheism. Yes. Uh, so he is separate from creation, but creation is a reflection, or as I call it a, a self-portrait. It's, it's God's self-portrait so that we can look at it and discern through the, the, the beautiful, the good, what he is like as the creator of it. And so beauty, beauty uh, alongside uh, these other virtues are, is, a, is an aesthetical assessment of, of God. It, it's kind of like a summary of all of the virtues of God, descriptive as beautiful. I, I compare it to a bouquet of flowers that any individual flower is beautiful, but the sum of them is, is magnificent. And God is good. He's holy. He's merciful. He's kind. He's uh, powerful. We have all these virtues of God or of Jesus in particular. But together, what do we say about him? And the two words we have is glory and beauty. 
And in the church, we talk a lot about the glory of God, and we sing about the glory of God, but the absence of a worship language for the beauty of God, largely in evangelicalism, is one reason I wrote the book. It fills in that gap of who God is and provides a summary adoration word for all that God is, and aesthetically to say, look at how wonderful he is. Look how beautiful God is. God, we praise you for your beauty. Maybe you're like Lewis, and you're listening to this conversation, and you say, man, I want to find the place where all beauty came from. That certainly is uh, Pastor Steve's heart and passion, certainly mine as well, that your longing would be not just to see the beauty of a sunset or sunrise, not just to hear beauty in a sonnet, not just to be able to experience beauty and fellowship with other believers, but to see the person to which that beauty points, that you would experience what it is to be in awe of a glorious and beautiful God. And as we read scripture and we think about the fruit of the Spirit, the grace that is given to us through uh, Christ. As we think about the mercy we have received, the holiness of God and his sovereignty, all of that should lead us to wonder and to worship. And that's why I want to encourage you to get a copy of this book, Enjoying God in Everything. Life is not meant to simply be drudgery, nor is it simply meant to be duty, but it's meant to be delight and desire. It is a, a celebration of, of the goodness of God expressed in his creation. And so we're going to pause right there for just a moment. But when we come back, I want to take up the question with Pastor Steve. What do you say to those people or to that person who says, I can't see beauty in my life? As I look around, everything feels dark. We're going to talk about that and much, much more. The book, Enjoying God in Everything. It's a guide to maximizing life's pleasures. And you can find out how to order by going to our website. That's equippedradio.org, equippedradio.org. Just click on today's program details. There you can learn more about Steve DeWitt as well as his wonderful book, Ordering information is there. Whatever you do, stick and stay. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. When we desire God above all things, sin falls away and we become passionate and fruitful in our Christian life. What can we do when we find ourselves without this joy in the Lord? This is a common struggle, which is why I chose John Piper's book, When I Don't Desire God, as our impact gift for this month. It's yours when you give a gift of any size to equip. Simply call 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org and find your way back to faith-sustaining, everlasting joy. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. I am reminded today that we're here because of God's grace and your generosity. Could you do me a favor? Consider supporting Equip with a year-end tax-deductible gift. Your most generous will help us to finish the year strong. 
Can you do it now? Go to our website, EquipRadio.org. You can donate there or call 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Today, my guest, Steve DeWitt, he's written a wonderful book, Enjoying God in Everything. That's what we should be doing. And his book is a guide to maximizing life's pleasure. Uh, Pastor Steve, here's what I want to do. I want to take you in the way, way back machine. I'm going to bring up a name that's a blast from the past. And you tell me how this person helped you to see beauty. The name is Bob Flam. Tell me a little bit about Bob. Well, uh, Bob Flam was my science teacher in high school. Ironically, out of the blue, he called me yesterday. So it's so funny that he would bring his name up. (laughs) And I don't want to admit how many years ago I was in high school when he was my science teacher. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was at the, the Gospel Coalition asked me to write an article, Who First Showed You the Beauty of Christ? And some years ago, I wrote a reflection on Bob Flam, who tragically, uh, when I was in high school, lost his uh, very young son. And watching he and his wife go through the process of grief and trusting God and clinging to their faith. Uh, all these years later, it came back to me as one of the clearest pictures of, of somebody loving and enjoying God in spite of the pain. And uh, so mm-hmm. I wrote that article, and uh, it's funny you would bring that up, but I'm yeah, happy to great. honor Bob Flam. It's a great article to read, and, um, you know, what a, what a tribute it is to— uh, see what you've uh, said about him. And just as an aside, his son is now the president of Grace College and Seminary. My wife is a graduate there. And uh, so the Flam family continues to be a blessing to many, many folks. I do want to ask a question, though. I, I like uh, Bob Flam, have experienced the pain, uh, the tragedy of, of uh, a child um, passing away uh, way too soon. And uh, mm-hmm. that was a, a deep grief and sorrow for, for my wife and I. And, mm-hmm. and I find myself sympathetic to those who are experiencing, again, what I've often referred to as the ancients have, the dark night of the soul. I, I've been sensitive to them, and I, I guess I would wonder, what would you say to those who would say, that person who would say, man, I can't see beauty right now? What is your pastoral heart say as well as the book hmm. well that is a that is a very uh very challenging question that um gets into the the challenges of of human grief and yeah. uh how sorrows uh you know like sea billows roll and i I think there probably is unique experiences to each person. Um, but if I could maybe just step back a slight step from the what is personally tragic to how beauty can provide a, a comfort. I think often when a tragedy hits, one of the basic questions is, you know, how could a good God allow this? Is God good? And in the dark night of the soul, that's a, that's a real question. And when we think about how God is indicated 
that he is good. There are many things that we can point to, of course, uh, you know, the, the breath in our lungs, the food on the table. Uh, but beyond that, we see in the created order a, a God who cares for us, who provides for us. And beauty is more than simply what is physically beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beauty is um, is is virtuous. Beauty beauty is um, a concept that we can see in um, the sweet memories we have of a child. For example, the fact that we had this child, the joy that he or she brought to us. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our heavenly Father. And even in in those tragic times, there is beauty that that finds its way through there. And I think that often it is something along this line that, that allows people to, uh, to come out of that dark night, to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, uh, as Job described. And so I think uh, beauty is one way, obviously the, the, the coming of Jesus and the gospel and uh, so many other ways that God shows his goodness this morning. I received a call from a dear godly saint um, that his wife passed away. Mm-hmm. And what does he cling to after 50 plus years of being married? Uh, he's clinging to the gospel that God is love, that he sent Jesus, that in Christ, the big issues of our lives are, are, uh, are cared for. And yeah. there is always, there is goodness in the pain and in the sorrow. And it's a, it's kind of an asymmetrical beauty, I would say in those moments, but beauty none, nonetheless. You know, I, I love your answer to that. And, you know, I think back to 2019, which, which was the year that our son passed away. What we didn't know at the time is that my wife was pregnant as well. And so that year was marked by these dual emotions, if you will. Um, we call, named our uh, our daughter Christiana Joy uh, because uh, that's what she brought into our life. And in many ways, the beauty that we saw in that season, be it um, when when the sun rose the day after his passing or the sweet fellowship of friends or finding out that my wife and I were expecting um, our our baby girl. Those were signs that God is present, that God is present even in the pain, that God is present even in the uh, the heaviness and the sadness of, uh, of painful moments. And knowing that God was present was a reminder to us that his redemptive plan is still intact And though things may be a surprise to us, they're not a surprise to him, and that he um, is is at work and somehow taking the tragedies of life and uh, working it out for his glory and our good, and that does lead us to worship. And, you know, I think so often we consider, in particular those of us who find ourselves more intellectually drawn to God, if you will, uh, those of us who find loving him with all of our mind is preferable, the easy part. Um, we we typically think of worship as a reflection on propositional truth, right? And this is what I love about your book is that it adds to our repertoire. 
Thank God for the propositional truths of the gospel. But there's another aspect of wonder that leads us to worship, isn't there? Yes. I've, I've often thought if somebody could write or produce a uh, gospel tract or some kind of thing that captured what you're talking about, it would be so powerful because many people have intellectual objections to God or experiential objections to God, but every human being is wired by God to come alive to reflections of God's beauty, and unbelievers do it, you know, the flock to the concerts, uh, admire the athletic uh, um, beauty at the ball games, and, and yes. you know, they, the whole world loves beauty, and we spend enormous amounts of money on beauty, and unbelievers experience that, and they have wonder, and they treasure it, but they have nowhere to go with it. And so they, Romans 1, worship the created thing instead of the creator. And so we admire the artist, we admire the athlete, we admire uh, the thing itself, and the Christian, Second Corinthians 4 says, has come to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Yes. And now that we have seen that glory, it opens our eyes to all the reflections of that glory in the world around us. And, and the Bible says that God created this whole world as a reflection of what he is like. And so the book is intending to take all these moments of wow and wonder and use them as a springboard to give God honor, to give God thanks, and in doing that, enrich the experience of the pleasure itself. It maximizes the pleasure, which is what God intended this world to do for us. Maybe you're listening to uh, Steve and I, and you are in a moment of, of pain, of sorrow, of grief. Let, let us uh, just remind you that beauty still exists, that beauty is all around you because God still exists and God is at work. And as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 10, we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. It is possible to be brokenhearted but yet reminded of the power of God. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come on Equip. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Let me say thank you to our monthly partners, our generous givers. You have made this year incredible and allowed us to broadcast each and every day. Can you imagine that? No matter what came this year, we were behind this microphone broadcasting, reaching a generation with the good news of God's grace. And it's made possible because of Jesus and because of your generosity. As we finish the year, can you help us to finish strong? Your most generous tax-deductible gift will do that. Can you call the number now, 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. And this month, we're going to sing you out Dr. John Piper's wonderful book, When I Don't Desire God. I hope it's a blessing to you or someone you love. Today, we are featuring Steve DeWitt, his wonderful book, Enjoying God in Everything. It's a guide to maximizing life's pleasure. Now, Steve, we've talked a lot about beauty, and much to my shame, I have not given you the literal softball question, and that is, what is the definition of beauty? I should have started with that one, but uh, how would you define beauty? Well, beauty uh, famously is said to be in the eye of the beholder, and I think that's true as long as we realize that God is the beholder. Um, beauty begins with God. 
It is a description, a summary description of the attributes of God, the perfections of God, which existed in eternity past, long before he created the world and time. God has always been, uh, has been beautiful. And so when God created the world, he decided to create little pictures and big pictures of what he is like. The universe is that, the atom is that, the earth is that, human beings are that. The quintessential expression of beauty, though, is the incarnate Son of God. And there on the cross, we have uh, the pinnacle of, of beauty as Jesus turns his self-giving love, which he has had for the Father and the Son for all eternity, and directs it towards a fallen humanity. And so beauty, it's a, it's a roundabout way of explaining that, that beauty is sourced in God. God is the measure of beauty. I describe it like a yardstick. God, a yardstick is a yard, and it also measures a yard. Uh, God is beautiful, and he is the measure of all beauty. And by his design, created this world with these beautiful reflections of what he is like, without being him, pantheism, but uh, being a fragment or a, refra- a reflection of what he is like. So beauty is a summary term. It's an aesthetical term that describes what is inherently good and sourced in the character of God. Hopefully those of us who are pastors are listening to Steve, because this conversation is so instructive, and uh, it, it's also convicting in some ways, Steve. Maybe you felt this as you were doing the research and writing the book, like, man, have I taught on this well? H- have I laid this out before the people of God so that they can celebrate and understand beauty as as God intended? As you define it, as you just described it, um, and you do so well in doing that in your book as well. Uh, what I'm left to say is that in some ways beauty is subjective, but ultimately it's uh, it's objective. And uh, I know you just explained it, but just uh, tie those two together. In what way is beauty subjective and in what way is it objective? Well, it's it's objective in uh, theologically, if you will. It's, it's objective in the sense that that God is the source and determiner of what is is beautiful. We live in a world, fallen world. Many people call certain things good that God calls bad, and yes. God would not call beautiful. Yes. So it's not like uh, we human beings get to be the ultimate uh, judge of what is is beautiful. But God has so made us in His image that we. There's this internal spiritual wiring that comes alive whenever we are exposed to uh, reflections of God's beauty. And so everybody loves beauty. Everybody loves pleasure. Everybody, uh, you know, to be human is to is to is to wow. I I watched a a video recently that showed a it was the Boston Pops or one of these symphonies and they were playing Mozart. And, you know, when it's done, it's very formal and stuffy and you're not supposed to clap and. Uh, out of the back of the auditorium, uh, this little boy goes, wow, <laughs> really <laughs> loud. And the whole place, you know, bursts into applause. Um, and it was it, it, it was a special moment because it was a verbalization of what everybody was feeling in their hearts. Like, this music is just amazing. Wow. So 
the subjective experience as human beings of the objective created reality of the beauty of God is what I call wonder. And that mm-hmm. is a subjective experience. Um, my cup of coffee is wonder, wonderful, but not quite as wonderful as the Grand Canyon. Uh, you know, and we have varying levels of that and we experience it differently. We have preferences and, you know, what I think is beautiful, you might think is ugly. But all of that is just uh, indicating that this is how God made us. And he did it, as I describe in the book, this, these beauties are like a breadcrumb trail that he has left for himself. Every one of them, as Ecclesiastes says, uh, with a diminishing law of return, you know, there's the, the beauty is fleeting. The pleasure is always fleeting. It never lasts. But that's intended to make our hearts in the longing ponder, like, why do I love this so much? And is there any beauty that is lasting? Is there any glory? Is there any pleasure that is lasting? And along gallops the gospel, and along gallops the word of God, you know, Psalm 1611, at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. And to, to realize that, you know, God is that, you know, all our hearts are longing for something, but God is that ultimate satisfaction of the beauty craving human heart. And my passion in this is that I think Christians rightly admire the holiness of God and the grace of God, and the kindness, and the mercy of God, but not near enough the beauty of God. And that, that word is so, it resonates in our hearts in a way that maybe holiness doesn't. And it speaks, it whispers to us that, 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 uh, the longings of our heart that there is a satisfier and it's a it's this beautiful creator god i'm amazed at how many people have shut themselves out from beauty considering this maybe to be a deviation from the gospel but hopefully what you're hearing in steve's voice and his words more importantly is the deep connection between grace salvation the fall the need for a savior and beauty, worship, wonder. Hopefully you're seeing all of those reflected in this conversation. We'd love for you to join the conversation, to share your thoughts. Again, remember our social media platforms are available to you right now, Facebook and Twitter uh, at Equip Radio. Steve, while you were talking, I made a note here that uh, as the father of five kids at home still, I need to train my kids to distinguish between true beauty and false beauty, don't I? Yeah. Well, that's uh, we live in a world of um, counterfeit beauty, and our young people, in particular, are uh, easily led astray. You know, in, uh, back to C.S. Lewis a moment in Screw Tape Letters. You know, uh, Screw Tape advises his nephew, and he says, "You know, when we're talking about pleasure, we're really in, on enemy territory." Uh, and he gives advice on how to use pleasure to lead people um, away from uh, the God of pleasure. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Young people all the time um, are, I think, you know, experiencing art or movies or music that are uh, failing to project a Christian worldview and are describing things that are not beautiful and calling them beautiful or not good and calling them good or not uh, holy, 
uh, but but calling them uh, right and desirable. And so, I I personally think uh, that this is something that should be taught to um, to young people and to help them understand the the passions, the pleasures, the desires. You know, when you're young, you feel these things so powerfully. And uh, they often lead our young people astray. You know, we talked about the opportunity cost of missing beauty. Man, we need to add to that list uh, the opportunity cost of defining beauty the wrong way, defining beauty wrongly. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to break, but I want to be a blessing to those of you who was who have really been blessed by this conversation and would really love a copy of uh, Pastor Steve's book. We're going to make five, five complimentary editions available today. We're going to give it away to five friends, but here's what you got to do. Go to our social media page and do it right now. Uh, you go right now, Facebook or Twitter, and just say, I would love to get a copy of Enjoying God in Everything. Enjoying God in Everything. We're going to pick five friends, and we're going to sing you a complimentary copy just as a way of saying thank you for listening to Equip today. Maybe we've been a blessing to you, not just today, but throughout this year. Can you help us to finish the year strong? Your generous tax-deductible gift does just that. Dial the number 888-644-4144 or go to EquipRadio.org. As a dad, a friend, and a neighbor, I share your concerns over the growing problems in our culture. That's why on Equip, we tackle the tough issues, learning how to respond with grace and truth. We're looking for like-minded partners to stand with us. Would you be willing to become an Equipper today? In this role, you'll give a monthly donation to support the ministry of Equip. And as an Equipper, you'll receive insider benefits, such as a bi-weekly email that contains pastoral messages prepared just for you. Become an Equipper today by calling 888-644-4100. Or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Have truly enjoyed my conversation with Steve DeWitt. Love what God is doing in his life and through his ministry. I would encourage you check out what God is doing at uh, Bethel Church if you're in Chicago land, or maybe you can check out what uh, God is doing through his popular podcast and media ministry, The Journey. Uh, either way, you can connect with him there. And as always, pick up a book. Pick up the book, Enjoying God and Everything. You know, I bumped into a listener the other day, Steve, and they say, you know, I listen to you and I keep buying these books of the authors you bring on. And I said, it's a worthy <laughs> investment. And I will say that, especially today concerning enjoying God in everything. Steve, you alluded to something before uh, we went to break, and we got a couple minutes left, and I'd love to land this plane in the heart of the gospel if we could. You said, hey, uh, Satan tries to draw people away from the God of beauty by uh, showing them false pleasure, using false pleasures. Um, but yeah, beauty can be used evangelistically. So how can beauty be evangelistic? Well, I would go back to uh, what Paul says in Second Corinthians 4. He describes uh, the work of the enemy as uh, blinding the eyes of unbelievers from seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And what we take from that is that uh, that we are 
made, you know, we are made in the image of God, that apart from sin, prior to sin, we would be glorifying God, enjoying him and everything all the time. But that sin and Satan and the indwelling sin within us blinds us, keeps us seeing who Jesus truly is. And by the, by the power of the Spirit, when we, when we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus, when we see Jesus on the cross and realize that he was incarnate God, that he died for my sins, that, that uh, God loves me and that there is a way of salvation and eternal life forever, when I trust in Christ— the blinders go off, okay? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. What am I seeing? I'm seeing Jesus for who he truly is. So the gospel is the blinders coming off. And when those blinders come off, now the, the, the Christian is open to experiencing aesthetical beauties for the glory of God, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. And in that, then, there is this renewal and this robust uh, enjoyment of the things that God has given to us for his sake. We bring God into the experiences. We become theologians as we eat our Thanksgiving dinner and, uh, and all the other pleasures that we have. And uh, so it's it's one of the fruits of, of the gospel. I would say it's not the, the central one. I would see justification, righteousness forever as central, but it is a wonderful byproduct of realizing who Jesus is, is that we now do everything to his glory and we enjoy everything for his glory. That's so beautiful, and, and I'm so grateful that you— have uh, captured this and helped us to to see that we can ultimately point to the source of all beauty. We can point people back to God. We've talked a lot about beauty as if it just happens, if you will. But I would love to spend a moment talking to those that God has called to create beauty. Maybe those who are like yourself, called to be authors or artists or those who are called to make something beautiful. What do you say to that group? Well, it is a holy calling. Um, You know, God created ex nihilo, the theologians say, so he created everything out of nothing. None of us do that. Um, As one author uh, writes, we, we are basically rearranging. We're using the creative elements that God put into uh, the universe to make the music, to paint the painting, to write the book, etc. So we are um, we are creative in a different way than God, but like God. And when we create beauty, uh, we are we are doing what God made us to do. You know, way back in Genesis, we have some interesting fellows mentioned who first you know created musical instruments, for example. And we look at the Psalms and we see how. Um, you know, from, from the beginning, we have people singing to God and music is, is blessed by God. And so you just go through the whole thing and the arts and artists are doing something that is, I believe, holy in the eyes of God. If what they do is reflecting what God says is good and beautiful. And that's the challenge we have, um, experiencing art as Christians is that, you, you have art that says this is the way that it is. We call it realism. 
or we have art that is the way it's supposed to be. It's idealism. Um, most art, though, is the way it's not supposed to be. It's fatalistic. It's tragic. It's profane. And the Christian has to walk through this uh, experience with a solid Christian worldview and where things reflect what God isn't like to see it as that and to use it as an opportunity to um, to praise God for what he is like. If I could quote Picasso a moment, he said, art is a lie that helps us realize the truth. And in many ways, that's what Christians have to do in experiencing art in a broken world, is to see the lies that are embedded in it and to use the lies as an opportunity to rejoice in the truth, to think about what is good, uh, pure, pleasing, etc. Philippians 4. So, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, there's a lot more we could talk about uh, with that. But the creating of art, or even decorating your house or your landscaping, and in one way or another, we're all involved in the creative process, and that is good. God made us to do that, and indeed, he is like that. And if I could make one more uh, comment, Chris. Absolutely. What I'm talking about here is it, it, I, I'm, it may sound new to a listener, um, like, boy, my church doesn't talk about that. Actually, it does. This is embedded in so much of, for example, hymnology. I mean, perhaps yes, of yes. an amazing grace, the most famous hymn, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider mm-hmm. all the worlds thy hands have made. I yeah. see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my yeah. Savior God to thee, how great thou art. That's all that I'm saying here, and that's what the book is about. But how to do that, that is the missing element, I think, largely in the church. And uh, it's an opportunity cost, but it's one that I I, I want to uh, redeem. How great thou art. What a great point for us to end on, a celebration of the greatness of our God. He is sovereign. He is good. And we today celebrate the fact that our God is beautiful as well. Thank you, Steve. Uh, what a blessing it's been, brother, to have you on. So appreciate your ministry and so appreciate this book. And, and we've talked about it, Steve. There's several ways to read it. I would highly encourage folks to read it on an individual basis. But I think even better is to read it in a group. Maybe you have a small group you like to read it uh, with. Or, or maybe as a group of elders, you read this and Reflect deeply on how this weaves its way through your church, or maybe even those who work with students and youth as parents or uh, teachers. Many ways to use this book, and I'm grateful for it. God bless you, brother. Thank you, Chris. Great to be with you today. Friends, I encourage you, go to EquipRadio.org now. Also, while you're there, support the program at EquipRadio.org. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a ministry of Moody Radio, production of Moody Bible Institute. Hey there, friends, Chris Brooks here, and I got a question for you. How great is your desire for God in this season? Are you walking joyfully with him or are you struggling in your Christian life? Coming up, I'll have a conversation with Dr. John Piper. He'll help us to rediscover deep joy in Jesus and how to navigate when we don't desire God. Don't miss Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.